0: Happy Friday, everybody. We made it to the end of the week. Well, almost. And we made it to the end of the month of February. And we are now in the month of March. Happy March 1st. Uh, It is crazy how quickly this year is flying by. But it's, I think, largely, I know for me, and everybody has different jobs. You guys have your own lives, your own families, your day-to-day business. But for me, largely, it revolves around this show. It revolves around the news cycle. And it revolves around running. I'm a pretty simple guy, but the, the gods of news have blessed us all in the year of 2024 and given us a wonderful news cycle. And not just because it's bad news all the time. Yes, there is incredible news coming out of the city of Memphis and our country every single day, but. Um, I was talking to my parents. I think I was talking to Todd Starnes yesterday about this. Um, my conversations just run together at this point. And I was, we are so lucky because this year is going to go by like that. Because the news cycle, none bigger than the 2024 presidential election. I've never covered one of these. Um, So how cool is it that this is really my first one? 2016 was wild. Um, That was when I was really politically active. I would say I was the Trump surrogate at my dad's church. Um, It got him in a lot of trouble. It didn't get me in any trouble at all. And then 2020, I was in college and... The pandemic happened. It forced us all out of our classrooms. We went to Zoom University. I was disgruntled at the entire country, Trump and Biden. I was over it. It was awful. Um, So this election cycle is unique um, only because I really get to do it behind this microphone. So I feel very honored to do that. Speaking of 2024 and the election, you cannot get different messages coming from the southern border where you have, Two different worlds, two different administrations, 45 and 46, President Trump and President Biden. One of the guys is stumbling off Air Force One. He is standing, giving remarks behind or in front of, excuse me, Border Patrol officers. I'm not sure if you saw the TV shots. They look like they were being held hostage. And then you have President Trump. He comes out strong. We'll play the two different messages. He is standing there with Governor Greg Abbott of Texas. He's there with Senator Ted Cruz. You guys see that moment where he started waving at the illegal aliens on the other side of the border fence? The guy guy is insane in a good way. So here are the two different messages, and I'm curious to hear from our listeners, because we are in a super majority of Democrats here, but we've got a lot of Republican listeners because, again, this is the state of Tennessee. So what message is going to resonate with voters who say that the border is issue number one? Take a listen to this in cut number six.
1: The idea there's no such thing as climate change. I love that, man. I love some of my Neanderthal friends uh, who still think there's no climate change. Well, my administration is going to keep building on the progress we've made fighting climate crisis, and we're going to keep help folks rebuild themselves. Just one week ago, a beautiful 22-year-old nursing student from Georgia was barbarically attacked, almost unrecognizable. While she was out on her morning run, she was a morning run, she was doing a, keep herself in shape, she was a beautiful young woman, she was a great person, best nursing student there was. I spoke to her parents yesterday, they are incredible people, they're devastated, beyond, beyond belief. But she was beautiful, just so beautiful in so many ways, and brutally assaulted, horrifically beaten, kidnapped and savagely murdered. The monster that charged, uh, charging the death is an illegal alien migrant who was led into our country and released into our communities by crooked Joe Biden. He's crooked. I took the name away from Hillary.
0: <laughs> but it's a great point. I mean, has President Trump said or has President Biden, excuse me, said the name of Lincoln Riley today? No. You've got former President Trump picking up the phone and calling the family. And that just speaks to the hearts of both of those men. President Trump has a good heart, while President Biden's heart is dark and decrepit. There's no other way of spinning that. I mean, to go down to the border and talk about climate change, and then call people that don't believe in the climate call Neanderthals? First of all, I thought that was racist. People get canceled for that. <laughs> but not with them. Which leads me to Shelby County. Because on Stop Memphis Crime, we had a post go viral. A guy by the name of Don wrote this in and it exploded. Don wrote, Fox News just ran a list of sanctuary areas in the United States. Shelby County, Tennessee was on the list. And as I said, it exploded. Madison said, hell to the no. This is just so disgusting. Kristen Hicks, a friend of the show, says, where's the GOP in all of this in Shelby County? They need to stop being a country club party group and start taking action, including passing partisan school board races, recruiting strong conservative candidates, and solid messaging for voters. Most people didn't even know about early voting that just, and by the way, we've got the numbers. It was terrible. No one voted. Shelby wrote this. There has been a major influx of non-English speaking people at my place of employment in the last eight months. Andrea said, I would suspect that most city counties or states that are run by Democrats are sanctuaries for illegals. They barely prosecute crimes as is. Surely can't be bothered to prosecute criminals that are illegal aliens. Penny wrote in to us and said Newsmax. We're good friends. And we love Newsmax said that they interviewed a group of illegals at the southern border and some listed Memphis as their destination. It's not surprising being a Democrat-ran city. And I've got other reactions by our listeners and our um, users on Stop Memphis Crime. We'll get into that in one second. But then I started doing my research. Is this true that Shelby County is a sanctuary city? Now... The Center for Immigration Studies, which is a low immigration, pro-immigrant, illegal immigrant policy think tank, lists Shelby County as one of them. Though we do not have an official policy designating ourselves as a sanctuary city, but some city council members and county officials have expressed support for becoming a sanctuary city. And this was before my time in Memphis. But if you actually look at the map of all of these sanctuary cities, I believe in last check, it was five hundred and sixty cities, states and counties have declared themselves to harbor illegals on the list on the map. Shelby County, one of them, you click the link and it goes to a commercial appeal article. It's right before 2020, 2019. This was the headline. Shelby County Jail quietly stops obeying ICE requests to hold immigrants. So if you read down through the piece, it's very long and we don't have time to jump into it. But basically, Shelby County and the sheriff's office quietly quit obeying a federal request after President Trump came into office and said, we are going to start deploying ICE and these ICE officials are going to be able to arrest anybody when they find out that they are in our country illegally, our county jail stopped obeying that federal order. Then you had the state governor, Bill Lee, and the former governor pushed through a law and I've got the law. Um, it was the law against sanctuary city policies. It went into effect in January of 2020. The text of the law basically said local authorities like Shelby County must comply with ICE Detainer request. Well, what is an ICE detainer request? An ICE detainer is a written request that a local jail or other law enforcement agencies like ours would arrest an individual for an additional 48 hours after his or her release, giving ICE officials the opportunity to come in and arrest them. So, say they get picked up for speeding. Our law enforcement, they take them down to the jail. What this detainer would do is request that they are in jail an extra 48 hours so ICE can get over to the 201 Poplar as quickly as possible and then deport them, essentially. Process them. And what did our jail do? Because they were run by activists, they quietly stopped obeying that detainer request. Now, this was in 2019. And this was... While Trump was in office and as the commercial appeal wrote in it under Trump, increasing numbers of illegal immigrants, they didn't say that they said unauthorized immigrants without criminal histories are being placed in deportation proceedings, deportation, excuse me, proceedings. They then go on to add their crooked and left leaning bias here. Crime statistics show immigrants commit fewer crimes than those born in the U.S. Even so, jails serve as a conduit for deportation. Under the Trump administration, he greenlighted ICE agents to pick up suspected unauthorized immigrants from jails at the time of the arrest rather than awaiting a conviction. ICE routinely asked jails to hold suspected, unauthorized immigrants, illegal immigrants for up to 48 hours, and the jail in Shelby County did not comply. So, is this still continuing? I have a hunch that it is, because this was in 2019. What happened after 2019? 2020 happened. President Joe Biden becomes the president of the United States. The first thing he does is he strips away all of the executive orders that President Trump had put into place to stop the influx of illegal immigrants at our southern border. That has consequences. We're seeing what that looked like in Athens, Georgia, where 22 year old Laken Riley was out for a run and one of these illegals murdered her. Crushed her skull. So do we really not think that they are here? Illegal immigrants are being harbored in Shelby County. It was happening under the Trump administration where county officials were snubbing their nose at federal and state laws. Fast forward to 2024 where we have a, tr- a president right now that is allowing and making every town a border town, every county a border county, every state a border state. You think they're not running around Shelby County in Memphis? You're mistaken. Which leads me back to a lot of your comments. Because comment after comment under this post that went viral on our Facebook page suggested that they are here and they are not being deported. I remember I was reading down through this commercial appeal piece and the ACLU, they were fighting this, the city council, they were fighting this. They want them here. But this is a city that is controlled by Democrats. So am I shocked to think that Shelby County is a sanctuary city and we just aren't being alerted about this? Not at all. Not at all. Would love to open up our phone lines. Do you think, have you seen illegal immigrants in Shelby County and in Memphis? Our telephone number, 901-260-5926, 901-260-5926. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the morning show. Hey, got a traffic alert. um, This coming into our newsroom this morning. In Germantown northbound traffic on Forest Hill Irene Road from Winchester is blocked this morning due to a house fire that Germantown Fire officials and the department is working on right now again that word coming out of Germantown Forest Irene Hill or Forest Hill Irene excuse me is closed near Forest Hill Way due to a house fire We will keep you updated. Last check, I'm looking at our traffic cameras. It does look like one lane is open where commuters are able to get around that. But it is blocking and backing up traffic this morning. Um, Let me read a couple of your comments real quick before we get into a couple other local stories. By the way, I'm going to give Police Chief CJ Davis some credit this morning. And you know I don't typically do that. I'm feeling very good because it is Friday. By the way... Dropping by the studio for two, uh, not two segments. Actually, we're going to hold them for an hour. Is Patty Postle with the Cordova Republican Party and Antoine Bohannon, a congressional candidate running in District 9. Would it, that not be incredible if we could get Steve Cohen out of office? The guy's insane. Um, all right. Let me read some of these comments real quick. Then we'll get back to news of the day. Casey says they've been flying them in at night for a long time. I've seen them personally. Oh, that's very interesting. She adds, I'm sure they're busing many more in. I mean, to think that they're not busing them into Shelby County when they're sending them to Chattanooga. I mean, Chattanooga is woke, which is sad, but it's the reality. And we know this is not like a fake news headline. Senator Marsha Blackburn has been on the show talking about where they're flying these illegals into Chattanooga. They're starting their lives. Bust the whole thing. Lanier writes, makes me so mad. Wake up, young citizens of Shelby County and Memphis. Your liberal votes for soft on crime, revolving door politics, and housing illegals is ruining our beautiful city. Linda says, sure did see that Fox headline today. Shelby County is a sanctuary city. And a while back, they were being filmed by who I don't know at the Social Security office right off um, Winchester. Rachel says, so we all need to stop paying taxes, but it can't be one or two people. It has to be everyone. And she drops a word I can't say on the air. So <laughs> it is frustrating. But then again, we are a city run by progressives. So, you know, they, they would love nothing more than to turn this city into a sanctuary city if it's not already been done to Shelby County. So this gas station in a 27-month investigation, has received over 903 calls, think of that, at one gas station, to MPD. It's the Gas Express on Lamar Avenue near Memphis International Airport. You guys know when you drive to the airport, you basically just have to get there and get out. Because the area near Airways, Lamar Avenue, it is treacherous. This just... Whew. It needs some work and it needs public safety. So anyways, it's now been temporarily temporarily shut down and declared a public nuisance by Shelby County District Attorney Steve Moroy. So not only did they receive 903 calls, they made 90 arrests at this specific gas station during that 27 month investigation. Um, They also responded to homicides, aggravated robbery, carjackings, and drug violations. WREG spoke to a person that was pumping up his, his his car, filling up his gas tank, and it was not shocking to this motorist, right? He said that there were not only carjackings, homicides, but a ton of prostitutes. And the reporter asked, do you think by... Temporarily shutting down Gas Express. That this will make a difference. And here is how he responded. Take a listen Cut Sixteen.
2: A lot of prostitutes. A lot of prostitutes. A whole lot of prostitutes. They. Bull <laughs> man, them feds gotta make money too. It ain't they fault that prostitutes coming up here. They trying to feed their family. Y'all gonna try to take them, take money out they mouth. Do you
3: think that um, shutting this down will do
4: anything to help keep the area any safer?
2: Nope. No. It ain't. That ain't nothing gonna be able, nothing could be done to keep this area safe. Nothing can be done to keep this city safe. It's just, what it is.
0: So you think it's pointless? It's
2: pointless. What you gonna do? You gonna lock them up? They gonna get right back out, come right back to the same spot. So what the can you do?
0: I'm wondering if the district attorney and his office could declare a public nuisance for the entire county. <laughs> right? Because. The reason D.A. Mulroy has done this and temporarily shut down Gas Express is because it's not safe. Well, where is safe? I mean, we've got to have gas stations and we've got to have stores. But there is really no part of this city that is exempt from the crime problem we're seeing. Maybe, just maybe, the seven-day ceasefire with the gangbangers will make all the difference. But Police Chief C.G. Davis, she isn't so sure she hasn't seen the statistics yet on whether this sit down with thugs in the city of Memphis has been effective. She was asked by a reporter, Channel 3, about it. She says that it was an admirable attempt by the mayor to sit down with these people, but we've not seen the data that it's been successful. Here she is in Cut 11.
5: What, if any, impact have you all seen from the ceasefire with the gang leaders? Well, it's too early. Okay. Yeah, it's really too early. I think it really shows uh, the community that we have a mayor that wants to connect to the community and one that feels that if we don't talk to the individuals' boots on the ground,
0: we're not going to be able to get to to the bottom uh, of the problems in the city. Hmm. Interesting. Um, So why are we calling them gang leaders? I mean, like, that seems like a very nice title for people that are very violent human beings. You know, it's just a personal observation. We're treating these people like they are honest brokers. They're not. They're just not. Now, here's where I credit Police Chief C.J. Davis, because we know we only zone in and focus on perpetrators of crime, not the victims. Well, there's been a shift in public policy and safety policies and procedures within MPD. C.J. Davis says they are going to start focusing on the victims. I agree. That's a great idea. It's about time. Here she is in cut tin. I
5: think we've got a great plan. We've got um, officers that are relentless, regardless of, you know, the the hard work, the heavy lift. Um, I do think that continuing to partner with other entities in the, in the criminal justice system is really important. We have to be victim-focused. We have to be concerned about the victims of crime. Help individuals who are in a life of crime right now when we can, but when people show you who they are, especially violent criminals, They don't belong in our community because every day we see victims. So
0: we are paying attention to repeat offenders. Bravo. That's what we need to hear from our police chief. We don't give them multiple chances, these perpetrators of crime. Another area where I'll give her a little bit of credit. She has gone on the record and said it is incredibly discouraging to law enforcement here. To pick up the same people over and over, we send them to 201 Poplar. They're out of jail the next morning. She has pointed the finger at a revolving door down at our criminal justice system. Is it enough? I don't know, but I'm encouraged to hear her shift her policy. We'll be right back. <laughs> And welcome back to the morning show. Very excited for our Friday with friends panel paddle. Uh, Patty Posse and Antoine Bohannon are going to be live and in studio in hour number two. It is Friday after all, and we've got to have some fun. Also, looking at your forecast, 43 degrees right now. Cloudy conditions all day. We'll see temperatures hover around the low 50s. But hold on. Saturday and Sunday, we'll see temperatures Jump back up into the high 60s, low 70s for Saturday, and then on Sunday we'll get lots of sunshine. Temperatures in the 77 77 degrees. Just driving into work this morning, it sounded like spring. By the way, did you look at the trees? They blossomed. It happened like that. I'm here for it. I'm over, over winter. Let's go to our phone line right now. Steve Gill, great friend of the show, a political contributor out of Nashville, joining us now. Steve. Can I say happy spring? I'm jumping the gun because you know what happens in this area. We could get snow next week.
6: Yeah, everybody rushes out, gets their plants, start planting them. Uh, Lowe's and Home Depot make a fortune, and then we get another burst of uh, cold weather, you know, a little bit of snow, and they get to resell the same plants over again.
0: Yeah, all right. So can we talk real quick about the two different worlds that we saw yesterday? You've got President Biden, and then you have president trump both at the southern border we played some audio we don't want to go through all of it but your takeaway where you have the president of the united states his main message steve was that we have a climate change issue in this country and anybody that does not believe in climate change are Neanderthals.
6: well and and you have all these people from south and central america who are you know flooding into america illegally heading into Chicago where they uh, they get the cold, snowy weather because they want to flee from the hot climates of South and Central America. Uh, I think, you know, one good dose of winter in Chicago, most of them will head home. We won't have to deport anybody. Uh, You know, the other thing is you had Joe Biden, you know, shuffling around completely lost and goes to the one place on the border where there's virtually no people invading, coming across the border. Uh, don't take him to, to where the, the the actual issue is, where the actual problem is. Even in Brownsville, there are areas where the trash litters, the banks, and, and they didn't take him there. They took him in for a photo op that made everything look fine. And then, of course, he blames Trump. It's Trump's fault that the uh, eight to nine million illegals have come across during the last three years. while Joe Biden wiped out uh, all the, the things that were stopping illegals from flooding into the country. It's Trump's fault, and if we would just hire more uh, border security agencies—not not to stop them, not not to prevent them from coming—if we would—if we would just cut all the wires and barriers and have more people processing them, giving them their green cards, their you know five thousand dollar you know credit cards, and and uh, and their voter registration cards, all would be well.
0: Well, it's interesting because you saw President Biden extend the olive branch to President Trump, though that's not what it was at all. I want you to take a listen to this where there was a moment of kumbaya for President Biden. Take a listen in cut number one.
1: I understand my predecessors legal passed Pass today. So here's what I would say to Mr. Trump. Instead of playing policy with the issue, instead of telling members of Congress to block this legislation, join me, or I'll join you in telling the Congress to pass this bipartisan border security bill. We can do it together. You know and I know it's the toughest, most efficient, most effective border security bill this country has ever seen. So instead of playing politics with the issue, why don't we just get together and get it done? Let's remember who the heck we work for. We work for the American people, not the Democratic Party the Republican Party we work for the American people and let's remember who we are we're the United States of America oh god no I mean just think about this there's nothing nothing beyond our capacity nothing when we work together and if all things we should be working together on is this we have the formula to get it done
0: and now the messaging coming out of this White House is that we are not calling them immigrants anymore they are newcomers that is the vernacular for this administration Steve
6: yeah, this administration thinks it's just a communications issue. If we'll just call them newcomers. Uh, people won't mind that they're coming into the country robbing, raping, looting, You know, putting pressure on our health care system, on our uh, criminal justice system. It, it'll all be fine again if we'll just call them newcomers rather than illegal aliens because uh, illegal aliens is a little bit scary. Newcomers is not. So if your wife or daughter gets raped by a newcomer, uh, murdered by a newcomer, Uh, It won't be as painful or cause as much grief if if you listen to Joe Biden. At least he didn't resort to the typical Biden communication means when he's going to really draw attention by whispering. Remember when he'll whisper whatever he's trying to say in that creepy grandpa whisper. Uh, It it was ridiculous what he said yesterday. If I'm President uh, Trump, uh, I hold up a pen today in response to, to Joe Biden and say, I don't need to meet. I don't need to come see you. I'm going to send a pin to the White House today because, Joe, if you'll just sign the executive orders reversing the ones you dispatched immediately when you came into office, restore us to the executive orders that I left in place, uh, we'll solve the problem. Don't need to have Congress pass anything. We will stop the flood if you'll simply use this pin to reverse the executive orders that you used. Uh, Wiping out my executive orders.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, It's very interesting because if you switch over to the TV and go over to MSNBC, it is not the illegal immigrants coming up from the southern border that are murdering 22-year-old college students in Athens, Georgia, that are the threats to America and our democracy. It are folks like you and me, White rural voters in this country. Take a listen to these two MSNBC guests claiming that it's the white voters, the Christian nationalists, that are the threats to this democracy. in cut seven.
1: Joining us now, professor of political science at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, Tom Schaller, and journalist and opinion writer Paul Waldman. Their new book out tomorrow is entitled "White Rural Rage: The Threat." to American
4: democracy. And Tom, we'll start with you. Uh, why are white rural voters a threat to democracy at this point? You would think, as we pointed out, looking at Joe Biden's background and Donald Trump's, that, that the opposite would be true.
7: I mean, we lay out the fourfold interconnected threat that white rural voters pose to the country. First of all, and we show 30 polls and national studies to demonstrate this. So we provide the receipts in Chapter 6. They're the most racist, xenophobic, anti-immigrant, and anti-gay, <laughs> demographic group in the country. Second, they're the most conspiracist group. QAnon support and subscribers, election denialism, COVID denialism and scientific skepticism, Obama birtherism. Third, anti-democratic sentiments. They don't believe in an independent press, free speech. They're most likely to say the president should be able to act unilaterally without any checks from Congress or the courts or their bureaucracy. They're also the most strongly white nationalist and white Christian nationalists. And fourth, they are most likely to dis- excuse or justify violence as an acceptable Alternative to
0: peaceful public discourse. So you
4: mentioned a lot of negative factors yeah. about about this this
0: demographic. Um. <laughs> well, crap! I'm screwed. What happens when they tell us all to get out, Steve?
6: Well, and then you've got the FBI that's uh, you know putting their uh, anti-looting, anti-you know robbery um, uh, website up that has white women featured in the uh, pictures, not the people who are actually going in and looting stores and. Uh, And and the rest. Uh, Look, it's it's those white country folks that were burning and looting places like Portland and Seattle and and burning uh, the church across the street from the White House. It was them white folks that was uh, was doing that. Uh, And when you hear the racism coming from members of Congress, black members, when you hear the racism coming from black commentators on these show, uh, again, it is it is the danger of black racism, anti white racism that the democratic party is promoting while ignoring the violence taking places in our, um, in our inner cities. Uh, people aren't afraid to walk, uh, down, down the streets of, uh, you know, Germantown, uh, at night. Uh, but they are afraid to walk down the streets of New York city, Chicago, San Francisco, uh, dare I say Memphis, uh, not because they have got a bunch of white, uh, white folks, uh, in the pickup trucks, you know, dashing into downtown, uh, Memphis, Beale Street, burning up the tires, doing their spins in uh, in Beale Street. That's not where the problem is. And yet you've got MSNBC with these uh, crackpot authors, you know, putting out their crazy uh, wokeism, blaming the white folks for the problems in America.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, we are not the party that is trying to imprison our political rivals. That would be the left. We are not the party that's trying to indoctrinate children with DEI Race, Marxism, LGBTQ indoctrination curriculums. Um, I think this is what we would call textbook projection. That is, is, is actually you, in fact, that are the real threats to democracy. If we want to play that game, I'll give you the last uh, minute, Steve. Well,
6: when when you look at the uh, the mass shootings, uh, the number of mass shootings that take place with transgender individuals. As a as a percentage of the population versus as a percentage of the uh, of the mass shootings we've seen in the last year two years uh, it, it's the transgenders that are the real uh, violent threat to uh, to Americans to our children to our schools um, and it's it's time to address uh, both the drugs that they're taking that makes them more violent and, and the threat that that tiny minuscule piece of the population is doing and then again are we going to believe what the uh, lying Democrats say on MSNBC, the lying liberals write in their books. Or are we going to believe our own eyes when we see the violence, whether it's at fast food restaurants, whether we see a downtown, uh, uh looting, uh, band of roving criminals, or are we going to believe, you know, the, the words they put out i'm going to believe my eyes i'm going to believe what i see yeah and expect. i think
0: i think a lot of americans are as well steve thanks for dropping by folks follow steve on x that is the gill report you can find his stuff there steve thanks for joining us have a great weekend thanks you
6: have a great weekend and uh, enjoy spring while
0: it lasts all right good stuff all right 901-260-5926 901-260-5926 we'll be right back <laughs> And welcome back to the morning show. Real quick, let me give you this traffic update. Got some power lines down at the intersection of Perkins Road and Knight Arnold. Um, heavy delays in all directions. Again, power line. How does that happen? I want to know because I don't see a car that ran into the power lines. But they are down and they are causing backups. Again, that at Perkins Road and Knight Arnold. We will have an update in about 10 minutes with Commander Chuck. Stand by for that. I want to welcome to our morning show the senior pastor at Christ Church, guy by the name of Paul Lawler, who joins us on our phone lines this morning. Welcome to the morning show, Pastor. Thanks for joining us.
3: Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: I'm excited. No, the pleasure is all ours. You guys joined our weekend lineup on Sundays where you stream your services. That is at 9 to 930. And we'll throw out more information at the tail end of this interview. But uh, just glad to have you guys joining us. And I'll ask you this, Pastor. So much of this news cycle is dark. You look at the national headlines, state, local. And a lot of people feel rather hopeless right now. And the question I pose to you is, is it possible? And what does it take to see an awakening, one that is spiritual, to help out our city of Memphis and really the nation?
5: That's
3: First of all, that's a great question. I would point people it to um, do a little research around what happened through John Wesley and George Whitfield in 18th century England. Uh, that We think things are dark right now, and your characterization is on the mark, but if you do a little bit of study of history, in 18th century England, one in um, five, uh, every woman was in prostitution, some as age, young as age nine, slavery was endemic and brutal, oh. alcoholism was endemic, the country of England was on the verge of a revolution, And then an awakening happened. And there are many historians that credit the awakening that happened through uh, John and Charles Wesley, George Whitfield, and other leaders with uh, creating a stabilization within the nation that actually prevented England uh, from entering a revolution. It was what some historians characterize as what ushered forth what is known as the Victorian Age, where people began to do the right thing because their hearts had been transformed by the love of God through his gospel. And so what's important for all of us to be mindful of, if God has done that before in the past, it is possible for God to do that again in the future.
0: Hmm. And I assume that's by dropping to our knees in prayer, Pastor, and not just one time when we step in it or we see a problem in our city, but continually cry out to God as a collective.
3: Well, that's, that's a, a great way to lead in uh, to speaking a little bit more into the uh, kind of what we would call the sacred mix of revival. Only God can bring revival and spiritual awakening. But when we see the patterns of Israel, when uh, she would stray from God and then uh, out of desperation, she would turn her heart back to God and God would be responsive. I think it's important that we pay attention to that pattern uh, simply because of the the fuel that desperation provides. Uh and my point is that in revivals and awakenings throughout history, there's been this desperation factor. When you if you the last great move of God that we're aware of in history in the last uh Let's say in the twentieth century would be the Hebrides revival, Hebrides Islands uh, off the northern coast of uh, England, and in that era, uh, in when God broke out, there was there was a not the majority that was praying, but there were this minority of people. They were older people who began to cry out to God in their homes and in also gathering in the church because they recognized an entire generation of young people were not present um, in churches and they begin to pray and intercede out of desperation and God began to respond. Hmm. Once again, only God can bring revival and spiritual awakening. But one of the characteristics through the ages has been a desperation that fuels a crying out to God in prayer. So that's an excellent question.
0: Speaking to the senior pastor at Christ Church right off Poplar, Pastor Paul Lawler on our phone lines this morning. More and more Americans, according to a new Pew study, want to attend church digitally and I was reading down through this piece and wanted to get your reaction. Do virtual sermons sound fun? This Pew study shows that a growing portion of Americans are down to commune with the Holy Spirit via their tablets and laptops. Now, I have done both because of the pandemic, Pastor, and they're not the same thing, going to church versus watching it on my iPad.
3: Well, that's a great question as well. Let's let's validate that... Anytime somebody plugs in to uh, good teaching, whether it's on the radio or online, that's certainly a positive thing if it's based on the Word of God. But worship is a different matter in the context that when we recognize the characteristic of Christianity is embodied, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's what we see in the person of Jesus. And then we see this picture in scripture that the the church is actually the body of Christ, and that's not a coincidence that God would instruct us in this way, because the scriptures teach that we are to practice what we would refer to as an embodied presence, and that is that we, being the body of Christ, we embody that through our physical presence. Um, many listeners may be aware that there was an ancient heresy in Christian, Christianity known as Gnosticism, where we separate spirituality from the body, from being in body. And the point is, you, there's really no such thing as online worship in the context of how it worship is intended to be expressed in Scripture. You can't practice loving one another, praying for one another in the context of being present, encouraging one another, spurring one another on to good works, blessing one another, you can't do that in its full orb nature when you're sitting at home in your lazy boy in your pajamas. The only way to live into that is by embodying your presence with the gathered community as the body of Christ,
0: magnifying God in worship. And you can worship at Christ Church every Sunday, and we'll talk about your services in one moment. But I would encourage folks to go to church or ChristChurchMemphis.org and read the pastor's piece on this, The Importance of Gathering in Person for Weekly Worship. I read down through it before the show. It's exceptional. Um, so throw out the times of your services, and then we'll wrap up. Yeah,
3: we uh, worship at 8.30 a.m., traditional worship in the sanctuary. And then at 11 a.m., there are two worship gatherings, 11 o'clock in the traditional sanctuary and 11 o'clock in Seabrook Hall, which is more of a contemporary worship gathering.
0: All right, good stuff. Again, more of this information on your website ChristchurchMemphis dot org. That is christchurchmemphis.org And the news tidbit is you guys joined our Sunday lineup, which stream your service at nine to nine thirty. Thank you, Pastor, for dropping by. Appreciate the work you do every single day in our city of Memphis.
3: Thank you so much. It's an honor and thank you for everything you all are doing
0: as well. God bless. All right. Gonna leave it there. On the other side of the break, which is about five minutes out, we are going to be joined by our Friday with Friends panel. That is Patty Postle and Antoine Bohannon. Cannot wait to get into that. Of course, we'll run over some local headlines, state headlines. John Rose, the congressman, he took it to the House floor. And he is riled up about the fact that hardworking Tennesseans have to pay the student loan debt of Harvard graduates. That's not okay. So anyways, we've got the speech. We'll play it for you on the other side of the break. Also, some national headlines. Again, new study comes out. A majority of Americans believe President Biden is too old to be in office again. But the White House has come forward with new test results of the president's brain. Says he's perfectly fine. Do you believe that? Here's our telephone number. We'd love to hear from you guys. 901-260-5926. We'll be right back. It's time to wake up. You better be up at this point. My gosh, it's Friday. What are you doing? Wake up, everybody. All right. So you guys know on Fridays, we do Friday with friends. And I've got some great ones in studio. Patty Postle, first of all, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm very well. You're excited. You have multiple titles. (laughs) We can call you with the Cordova Republican Party, a GOP strategist, a community organizer, but a Republican version of it. Yes. You do a lot. Oh, well, thank you. And then Antoine Bohannon. Antoine, good morning to you. It's been a second since I've seen you.
4: Good morning. Just been out traveling, helping in the community. Um, anywhere my hands find to do good work, we do good work.
0: How has that been? Because you are a family man, first of all. Yes. Right? Like family is super important to you, which it should be. Number two, you're running for office. Still? No? Okay. We'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> Three, you are traveling the country. Biggest right now is you're headed to Mar-a-Lago in a couple days.
4: Oh, yes. It's going to be wonderful. Telsey Gabbard is going to be the speaker, and I'm going to get a chance to say some words on behalf of veterans of the state of Tennessee. So I'm actually on the program there.
0: Really? Yes. First time to Mar-a-Lago? I mean, that's like the president's mansion. Yes. Actually, this is the third time. Three three times at (laughs) Mar-a-Lago? You better check yourself because I bet the FBI is watching you very, very closely, Antoine. (laughs) Okay, so not every day you get invited to Mar-a-Lago. I'm still waiting for my invite. I'm Uh hoping to get in behind Todd. And the family loves
4: it, especially the kids awesome
0: okay so let's talk a couple local issues then we'll go state then we'll go national and then we'll wrap up with some fun topics oh yeah okay so we have an update on this pastor that was shot it was awful Um, just a devastating story he was outside of his church it was Sunday morning 9 o'clock in the morning pastor clemmy livingston well now we're hearing from the wife of the pastor for the first time giving us all an update on his condition i want you to take a listen to this and cut number 15 please
8: right now his jaw is nailed together just to hold it together it's very painful he doesn't look anything like my husband my husband's not the same will never be the same uh he wasn't just a gunshot wound it's more serious than people know when the bullet hit it shattered his entire job. So whereas that bone is supposed to be straight, it's more like a lot of little pieces of rocks. So that's that's unrepairable. He never talked to anybody. He never went to anybody. He didn't try to stop anything. He didn't deserve that. He didn't confront anybody.
0: It's pretty gripping, isn't it? Oh, that it's is really heartbreaking. It's really sad. Um, where, again, he is a pastor. He's been doing the Lord's work for years. And a couple more details. She said that he had gotten into the church. He did not confront because the official report was that he tried to stop these criminal thugs from stealing one of his parishioners. Actually, the Sunday school teacher's car. That was not the case. He walked out. He heard a commotion. That is when he heard multiple gunshots and one went right through his jaw.
4: Oh, Things like that. Really breaks my heart because the church is essentially the center of the community. And right now, when you have individuals that are not actually respectful of the church, that just shows you the level of things in our city.
0: And what's fascinating about this is this is just one of the latest shootings in our city after we got word that there was a seven day ceasefire with the gangs in our city. That was one of the biggest stories that we're recapping on this Friday morning. I'll take you back to the mayor, Paul Young. He came out over the weekend, said that they had brokered this deal with gang leaders in the city of Memphis. It was a seven-day ceasefire. They agreed to set down their guns for a couple different things. The bargain for them was they needed more opportunities in the city. I'll take you back. Here's a little bit of that timeline. Cut number nine.
2: And my ask for them in that conversation was, can we get a seven day ceasefire? Just seven days, where there's no shooting, no killing. And they said, yeah, we would be willing to do that. And they gave me a couple of caveats. The other thing they said was, well, you know, our young guys, they need money. They need money in their pockets. That's the way you can change it. We don't have programs at, at our community centers, we don't have things to do, so we go out, we steal cars, and we ride around with our friends. I never would imagine that the mayor would be talking to us directly. Yeah. If you come to our hood, if you come over there and ask them to put the guns in, they would do it, because they never seen anybody like you in their community. Talking directly to them. I want to talk to any and all, um, and so that's part of our overarching holistic strategy. When people aren't heard, this is what you're going to get. When people are asking for things and we're not meeting them and listening to them, they're going to find a way to get your attention, and I'm pretty sure they have everyone's attention right now.
0: All right, Patty, what do you make of it? Do we broker deal with? Do we broker a deal with these gang leaders in the city of Memphis, and will it be effective in reducing our crime?
5: So it's complex, right? Uh, The gangs is only one component of the crime. Uh, Everybody's saying, well, seven days cease fire from the gangs. But what about all the domestic violence? What about all the other regular criminals that are out there um, stealing that car to get maybe a couple hundred bucks to put in their pocket to feed their family or feed themselves or something Mm -hmm. along those lines? So. It's nice that they have this big press conference and said, hey, we're going to sit down with the leaders of the criminal element here. But they're not really getting to all the criminal elements here. So that's only one aspect of it. And then, of course, then if you break it all down, what about the opportunities that are presented to them mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis? Every one of those children have a school assigned to them. Why are they not? Why are they not in school? Mm-hmm. What, where are the parent parents in this situation? Where, what are these children doing and why are they involved in gangs to begin with? You know, so there, there's a lot more complexity to this all, and just having a big press conference going, Yay, we all get this <laughs> down, and, and I'm going to control all aspects of crime,
0: uh, it's unrealistic. I agree with you. And this has split the city of Memphis. You have people that love to see the mayor going to the hood. That's what it is. And then you have other people. I would be in this ladder camp that says, we don't sit down with these people and broker a deal like building them another community center because we've got a lot of those. And that has not worked in the last 60 years.
5: No, community centers is again, taking away parents responsibility, right? Cause you're shipping your kids off instead of saying, Hey, I'm responsible for these kids when they're not in
0: school. The police, so, chief, the police chief says we're still waiting for the data to come back. Has this actually been effective? Antoine, what do you make of it?
4: Just like Patty mentioned, this is a multi-leveled type of event. Right? When you talk about parents, the average mother for a single child is probably 17, 18. Uh, grandmothers are in their 40s great grandmothers are, you know, in their early 60s. So this is like kids raising kids. So for a 7 week sit down, I applaud the mayor. Great job at least starting the conversation. However, it's not just for him. It is every elected official that have to get out and about because it's often and you have to be consistently present in the area if you are in charge Military card AR, area of a responsibility. If you're spending majority of your time as an elected official sitting around doing meetings all day, then you are failing at your job as a leader. You should be early and often in these areas, helping out,
5: That's right.
4: consistently being present.
5: That's right. And isn't it a job of the elected officials? I mean, everybody has their breakdown of their, ter- their, their, yeah, their sphere of influence. But if you're the mayor... You should be having a rotation and going around and talking to the people in the communities. And so, you know, that to say, oh, well, this is like historic because also, he went and talked to a few people. I mean, Shouldn't he be talking to everybody?
0: There's also this notion that a lot of these young people, and we'll get into the city council because they are furious with Senator Brent Taylor. Like They have declared war on Brent Taylor because he's gone to the state and said, (laughs) yeah, you are not going to pass this ban on pretextual traffic stops because the the studies and the empirical evidence is suggesting these young people are not scared of cops. If you're scared of cops, you're not going to take over the streets off airways and shut down traffic for hours. This keeps on happening. So this idea that these poor poor children are just first of all, they don't have food, they don't have resources, and then they're also terrified of law enforcement. That's not what we're dealing
4: with. You know what? It's crazy because I really love how people can talk for a certain sector of people but you haven't grown up with them or even been around them to understand. Memphis is it's a microcosm, right? Your family members are actually part of the police force, part of the fire department, your cousin, your brother, your, your nephew, your niece. So in that aspect, everybody generally knows everyone. And now I applaud Brett. Brett is trying to do everything he can. But what we need to do from a state level and a local level is, one, put aside the, the DNR. Right. Let's put the politics out of the way. Secondly, what laws work? Because we can't handicap the police and tell them they can't do certain things because of incidents that's happened. They are horrible. Cannot stress that enough. However, the majority of crimes can be preventive. And that part, I think that's where Brent is coming from, say, okay, let's give the tools to the law enforcement so they can do what they want to do. But the local elected officials who are boots on the ground are saying we can't come with that amount of pressure because of the bad PR. They may happen. The things that are happening around So, therefore, the only way to be able to get that is, one, everybody has to come together, and everybody come together not in a a meeting room somewhere, but actually go to the areas you're trying to affect. And I think that's what J.B. Smiley was trying to say in his clip was, we are elected by the people, so we know what laws work. So, until we get to a point where we can just have that open, because it's all about relationship building, right? But
5: I want to touch on something you said. You said— Jb Smiley knows what laws work. Well, they're not working here. I, I, I yes. newsflash, yes. Jb <laughs> Smiley, the law is not working here. There are a lot of laws on the books that the cops are not allowed to enforce, and that's just crazy talk. It was knee to me. Jer- it
0: was it was a knee jerk reaction in the post of Tyree Nichols. I think we will look back on this yes. historically and say we made a mistake, um, and. There are ramifications for this. I've been down at 201 Poplar since. I was just down there two weeks ago. and you have Did you get a ticket? Are you I, arrested? No, I didn't. <laughs> I was being nosy Nancy. And I went into all of the criminal courts, and I had my little notebook, and I wanted to know all of the judges that were AWOL and actually they're delivering justice. I took names. And so there were two officers that took the stand because they had pulled over a violent perpetrator. And the defense for that criminal had said, why did you pull over him in the first place? I mean, grilling these police officers. Did you have a reason to? And what those officers said was we saw that their tags were out and what this ultimately would do if the city council gets their way is stop police officers from being able to pull over that criminal that had these drive out tags inside that car. It was stolen and there was so much paraphernalia. It was unbelievable. The cocaine, the marijuana, and we got that guy off the street, but it was because of a pretext or traffic stop. And that's the concern. What do you want? do you want a state or a, a city council that coddles these criminals because of writing the wrong of slavery and what happened to Tyree Nichols because this is what it all goes back to or get that person off the street and prevent a victim of crime. That's what it comes down to. Well, and, and if you think about Tyree Nichols even,
5: aren't the officers who are involved, haven't they been arrested? Yes. Okay, so they've been charged with a crime too. So one wrong doesn't make make it right.
0: We've, so. got the, we've got the response by JB Smiley. I appreciate you, yeah. Antoine, bringing that up. On the other side, we'll jump into that because the activists are furious at Brent, and Brent is responding and punching back, as he should. He's a fighter, and we need more of those in Shelby County. We'll be right back. Don't go away.
4: It's only been 10 years since we was a Democrat.
0: And welcome back to The Morning Show. Glad to have my friends in studio and great to have all of our friends and our listening audience out there joining us on this Friday with Friends Hour. Joined by Patty Postle and Antoine Bohannon. Now, Antoine, we're going to make a little bit of news. Maybe the folks know, maybe they don't. You were, past tense, running for Congressional seat District 9. Yes. That was against Steve Cohen. Yes, it was. What happened?
4: Well, as I started doing my my research, you know, generally when you want to do something, so I spent... The off year traveling here, Nashville, Knoxville, different political parties trying to get a, a feel for things. And what I started to see was we are a little fractured as a party and the numbers for voting points directly to that we have to find ways to energize the base. And how do we energize the base post pandemic? We have to get out, not just the candidates, because the candidate is one person. Case in point, in my instance, there's 683,000 people in the ninth district. Do you think I can get out in an area that is 68% Democrat and just do it all by myself? They said, work hard, work hard. Um, You can work hard, but you also got to work smarter. And it's a collective group. It is a team effort. And when I tell people that I'm a Republican, when I was out knocking on doors, and they asked the question, well, why are you a Republican? Why are you not a Democrat? So I answered that. And now we get to a point of who's better, the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. But the only thing you can do is downgrade the other side just to make yourself look good. And it was at that point I was like, you know what? Something is broken from a military standpoint. We have to go back to the drawing board and strategize. How do we reach the young people who are 18 to 35, Mm -hmm. right? What interests them? And right now, as a party, we're not doing that. We're trying, but we have a lot of the, how do I say, old strategies? That's not working post-pandemic.
0: There was no question it was a David to Goliath type of race, right, to unseat an incumbent, Steve Cohen, who, I mean, how long has he been in that seat? 14 years. My God. Um, And then to be a Republican and try to take him down in District 9, it was going to be very difficult. Yes. But what do we do with that seat? Do we just go home or, Patty, is there a way to find a candidate Or someone that would be able to grab those Democrats, grab those Republicans. Looking at the early numbers of early voting, my God, it was down considerably from 2020. Less than 5% of the county's registered voters cast their votes during the early uh, period compared to 22% in 2020. Yes. Well, it's
5: not an exciting
0: Super Tuesday, right? Right.
5: Neither party is really enthusiastic because either you're a Democrat and you're going in and you're pulling a ballot and going, well, I can vote for Joe or I can vote for Joe or I cannot vote. And then, of course, on the Republican side, we had choices. But outside of uh, Nikki Haley, who obviously is not picking up enough traction, it's we have Trump or we have Trump. So, you know, people are like, well, why should I go vote? because there really isn't any contest. so that is part of the problem too is because so many decisions are made before the people even have a choice mm-hmm. right I mean I'm I'm very bum on the national level that the top at least four should have stayed in the race at least until Super Tuesday. but then as a former candidate, I also understand that it takes an awful lot of money, energy, and and everything else and when the numbers are not there, they're not there. And so do you keep climbing, you know, that's vertical cliff, right? Because if the numbers aren't there and you don't have the financial backing, then you're just spinning your
4: wheels. Yeah. Another thing about the numbers. All right. We say the numbers, but there's a reason why our numbers are the way that they are. It's because our party is not gainfully employed continually in the areas where we need to be and that's from a myriad of different reasons i'm not saying that the outreach program or anything is not doing a good job what we need to look at is do we have the individuals the foot soldiers to get out in the areas that we need to touch and then how do we get involved then the way that i started is we started in being working with homeless veterans that are out there. You have to sow the seeds early and often, not just during the election cycle.
5: Well, yeah. there's that, but there's also if if you go back to to my story too, nobody even knew if I was a Republican or Democrat, right? Cuz I came up through grassroots. Yes. Very specific issue and impacted All people, right? And just for the
0: listeners, you were running state rep, right? Right. So
5: I ran as uh, Tennessee District 96, which is not 96 now. Um, Now I'm in 83, but I didn't move. Um, But uh, I was fighting for property rights for the people because I thought it was an injustice that we woke up to a newspaper article saying we were annexed into the city of Memphis. So when I came out and put my name in the hopper, so many of my neighbors are like, oh my gosh, I didn't know you were Republican, and then, even in, in was the that experience, it chip
0: against you. Was that a bad
4: thing, or was well it just in
5: their eyes that was a bad thing? They're like, "How can? How in the world can you be a
4: Republican? You're for us." And I'm like, "That is it, right there. Our messaging that right. we are very sympathetic." Right. Well, I mean,
5: we're hardworking people, yes. and and I'll never forget um, in 2019, uh, I was helping one of the city council people. And this band of women came up from one of the sororities, and uh, they were trying to get out the vote. And uh, they stopped, they're like little parade at the Agri Center, and the one go- gal goes, Oh my God, oh my God, it's Patty Postle. Everybody, this is Patty Postle. She's my neighbor. She's so fabulous, absolutely fabulous. So, of course, I turned it around and said, hey, can you vote for me? And she's like, oh, no, you're a Republican.
0: Okay, so we, we've we got to change the messaging. That's the takeaway yes. from this segment. All right, so how do we do that? We'll have that conversation on the other side. Also, we'll touch on some national and state politics. These two are sticking around, and I hope you do as well. But we'll be right back. And welcome back to the morning show, guys. Glad to have you on the program. We're going to pick up the conversation with all of you guys. I see your comments. We're going to read through some of those. There's there goes the phone. Um, So let's jump back into J.B. Smiley's comments where there is a feud going on between the city council and then Senator Brent Taylor. The activists obviously are teaming up with um, J.B. Smiley, the folks on the city council. And then fortunately, Senator Taylor does not care. All right, so let me read this statement by JB Smiley Jr., the city councilman, on this ordinance that would ban pretextual traffic stop. Brent has gone to Nashville and said, We're going to actually ban you from banning. All right. Make it make sense, but it does. The Memphis City Council, JB writes, is comprised of duly elected members of Memphis community who are charged. With enacting legislation on behalf and for the benefit of the community we call home, the power to enact legislation and dictate policy on a local level should rest with local governments and their police chiefs. It is evidence that those who live, work, eat and worship, spend their social time in a community they call home, know it better than those who do not. The law enforcement challenges facing the various urban, suburban, and rural areas across the state of Tennessee differ, and therefore local leaders should be given deference. The same argument that each of you make regarding federal preemption applies here. As such, I respectfully request that you all apply that same logic in this matter and oppose. What would be their ordinance in banning pretextual traffic stops? As it undermines, he continues to write in this statement, the ability of those serving in local leadership to make necessary adjustments to local policies that govern policing. Here are the activists. They went to Nashville and took this straight to Brent. Take a listen and cut number 13.
2: There is no law or ordinance currently prohibiting police from stopping someone for speeding,
5: reckless driving, or not wearing a seatbelt. as Representative Gillespie has previously said.
7: These researchers found that the police department's practice of making large numbers of stops in high crime neighborhoods did not appear to have any effect on crime.
2: If you truly want to honor his memory, I'm asking that you oppose this bill today. They, they don't want to just attack traffic signs; They want to attack the
5: entire ability for us to, to edit any kind of policies or change any kind of policies that would keep
0: Black Nymphians safe, but also black Tennesseans are also poor white folks in rural areas, how they encounter police. So the mayor, Paul Young, also releases a statement, sends a letter to Brent, says, please, Brent, don't do this. And Brent has been on the show, the senator, multiple times and says he has a working relationship with our mayor. Here is Brent speaking to Fox 13 on the back and forth with his feud with local government. Take a listen in cut 14.
4: Just because there's daylight between Mayor Young and myself on this doesn't mean we're not in harmony uh, on the, the larger issue of reducing crime. I support Mayor Young in that effort. I just disagree with the premise of the question that this is going to have unintended consequences. What we're talking about is the police department having
1: full access to all lawful ways to conduct investigations and proper policing
0: senator taylor has joined our conversation on facebook and then i'll toss it over to you guys he says thank you both for your important comments about my bill to prevent local governments from banning routine traffic stops we need to take the handcuffs off police so they can put handcuffs on criminals where they belong i'll give you guys the last word then
4: we'll move on well oh i would just like to start off one you have to look at the recruitment numbers for the police department Oh, they're terrible. This is a large area. So therefore, we're taking tools away. This is like being in the military when we want to downsize and understanding that most countries want to see us wiped off the face of the planet. And now we're in an environment where the police, yes, you're you're going to have bad people everywhere you go. Do not get me wrong. However, we're down like 100 some police officers. 800. 800. Sorry. 800. 800. 800. So therefore, (laughs) even whatever bill you pass... There's still not enough enforcement on the streets, boots on the ground to even do anything. So, one, we have to support the police. We all do. However, recruitment as elected officials. How do we get recruitment? What incentives do we have to bring military in? So, therefore, whatever bill you put in place can be effective.
0: And going to Puerto Rico to recruit Puerto Ricans to join the MPD did not work. And we spent a lot of taxpayer dollars doing that. Sorry to interject. Patty, go ahead.
5: You also have to uh, think in terms of these people are committing a crime and that's why they're being pulled over. So why wouldn't you want them stopped? I mean, because the smaller crimes, if if they're not addressed, they become bigger crimes. Isn't that why parents you know, slap their little kids' little hands because if they tried to steal something from a store and it's like, no, 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 we don't do that, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, so you, you have to stop people when they're doing small things so that they don't do bigger things. And
0: it's not like we don't have the two worlds of this playing out. What happens when you go into Germantown? Everybody
5: slows down. You slow because down because Germantown, Collierville, no, Arlington. It, um, what's the little area out They don't mess. I've
0: I, I, I gotten two them. traffic tickets since I've been a Memphian, and they've been in Collierville and Germantown. 45 means 45. Yeah,
5: 45 <laughs> does
0: not mean 46. <laughs> That's right. You will be taken to the Germantown penitentiary
4: and serve yeah. the rest of your days behind bars. Meanwhile, in Memphis, 80 is acceptable on 40.
0: Yeah, Yeah. 100%. All right, let's talk a state issue, but this is also a federal issue. You've got Congressman John Rose. He went to the House floor, and he said the whole thing of buying votes with the Biden administration snubbing the Constitution, the Supreme Court said you cannot just wave a magic wand and erase all of these student debt loans for these children, and not just children, but people that go to Harvard, they get these gender studies, and they rack up these huge bills and slap that on the back of hardworking Tennesseans. I want you to take a listen to the Congressman. We've got this and go ahead, play that.
7: It makes no sense for a blue collar worker in Tennessee to be forced to pay off the college debt of a Harvard educated doctor or lawyer. We have the freedom to choose whether to pursue higher education in this country you can choose to forego a four-year degree, as millions of successful Americans have done. But this administration would have you pay for the four-year degrees of others, regardless of your choice. More than 100 million Americans have built a life without taking on debt. In fact, I represent thousands of Tennesseans who earn a good living without having borrowed money to do so. Furthermore, and possibly the worst aspect of all of this is that every college graduate and every parent of a college graduate who did the honorable thing by paying off their student loans, often at great sacrifice, is now being harshly punished for having done so it's also an ugly affront to the families across this country struggling to stay afloat amid record high consumer prices as a result of bidenflation i urge the white house to end this cycle of adding billions to our debt with the stroke of a pen just as the supreme court determined last june this kind of policy must be approved by congress before it can
0: be implemented the question to our listeners and to you both: Should hardworking Tennesseans be forced to pay for student loans? You no. can call in 901-260-5926. What do you think of it? I, I I I'm, I'm very both. strong. Oh yes. I,
5: I, I yeah. I, I have Cat three, three turning kids. Red. Right. <laughs> I have three kids who all borrowed money to go to school, um, who all have paid it off, and one of my three kids is poor, and she still paid her her debt off. If she can do it. Anybody can do it. So if you borrow money, then you need to pay it back because you borrowed the money. Are they and paying off
4: mortgages as well?
5: Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, let's, let, and let's talk about student loans yes. in general. When I went to school in the dark ages in no. the 1980s, before I know before Ben anymore. was even <laughs> probably born, you got a student loan for tuition, Yes. for books. And that's it.
4: No extras. I mean,
5: you didn't get to go on spring break. You, we all had jobs that <laughs> supplemented that student loan because that student loan did not pay for all of your expenses to go to college. So now you have these predatory lenders that, oh, you need $40,000 even though your tuition is only 20000
0: because, oh my gosh, you can't go to class and work and you don't want to live with your annoying roommate, so let's give you off-campus housing, and oh, then they fork yes. over that as well.
5: You're right. Yes. I mean, uh, living in a dorm with a shared bathroom, oh my gosh,
4: how how, how could I survive? I have zero sympathy for individuals who cannot pay their student loans. I was in the military for 21 years. I got two degrees, and I let my wife use my 9-11 bill so she can get her degree. And so, therefore— But you have to pay it. For those people. Uh, No, 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 no. Look, my my oldest son is currently in the the Space Force, uh, computer engineering. Awesome. paid his own student loans and is currently paying his student loans because he went the path that understood the greatest success of his economic degree, and that was the the military. So figure it out. Well,
0: it's interesting because this is an effort to get votes i there's no question because politico had this piece and this makes me really angry because in the email that they sent to over 153 student loan borrowers borrowers excuse me in the email it says i am canceling your debt joe biden writes i hope this relief gives you a little more breathing room xoxo joe biden that's an actual email except for the xoxo part um That is unbelievable. Do people... Because it actually works because I am younger and I have a lot of these friends that have been the beneficiary, a couple of them, and they love the guy for this. Even though it hasn't happened for a lot of them, they think that this is going to happen, that their student loans will be forgiven. Thus, we give a vote to Joe Biden. Do you
4: understand where money actually comes from in the government? It comes from you, the taxpayer. Whether you get got now or later... Nothing is free in America. So Nothing. therefore, if you're saying you're going to forgive my student loan, guess what? It's going to be offset somewhere else. It's called a trade off.
0: Oh, because they're freaking out now because it cost them <laughs> an arm and a leg to go to Wendy's. How do you think that happened? OK, the inflation is a tax. It, it, it is. Inflation is a tax. You think that there are these things tax cuts for the low middle working class no No. it is just increasing your cost to go to the grocery store i mean let's talk about the grocery store for example (laughs) (laughs) i mean i'm not going to whole foods patty i'm going to kroger and aldi and even there i'm literally digging deep into the pocketbook the wallet i know because you're starting to say how many ways
5: can I fix spaghetti? You know, because <laughs> <laughs> well, because noodles hamburger are less expensive. Well, this, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, hamburger know. helper. <laughs> yeah. That was our jam without any hamburger, right? With just, no hamburger, just little little vegan, helper, vegan helper. <laughs> no, no. See, no, see my dad helper. was a
0: pastor, and we, like the luxury for us was being able to go to McDonald's and order something other than um, the dollar menu. And then we never got anything outside of water. Like that was like the trademark of being a PK. I'll take water. I'll take water. We never got pop. So anyways, um, this is just crazy. We'll take a break. We'll slip in a break. We'll come back, get to some more topics. Sound good? All right, let's do that. We'll be right back. (laughs) And welcome back to The Morning Show. Joined for the last segment... With our friends, panelists, I was telling Tide, do we turn this into like a Fox and Friends? Do we just get a big curvy couch and put it in the studio? Oh, that'd be great. Patty Postle and Antoine Bohannon sticking around for the last segment. So this news breaking out of Middle Tennessee, Congressman Mark Green, who had said he was going to retire at the end of his current term. After all was said and done, he is not going to be retiring. And here is his full statement. It's incredible. I guess the president of the United States. Donald Trump was in his ear here's what he said while my strong desire was to leave Congress at the end of this year since my announcement I have received countless calls from constituents colleagues, and from President Trump, urging me to reconsider. I was I was reminded of the words of General MacArthur on a statue at West Point. Duty, honor, and country. Mm-hmm. I realized once again I had a duty to my country to fulfill. I will be running for re-election so I can be here on day one next year to help President Trump end this border crisis once and for all. What do you make of it? Outstanding. I love Outstanding. it. Outstanding. Oh, there were God. rumors that this he was doing this because he's going to run for governor. He could still, right, run for governor, yeah, governor and yeah. finish his race, term.
5: Uh, governor's race is in, you know, until 2026. So he can go ahead and do at least one more term, if not two more terms, right, before... Right. Then he'd have to choose. In 2026, he would have to choose between the two seats.
0: And with him leading the effort to impeach Mayorkas in the House, I mean, the guy's got the name recognition across the state. You were pointing this out as a veteran, Antoine. um, He's got the veteran vote. I mean, this guy has an easy shot at being the next
4: governor of Tennessee. Not only that, he's extremely nice and approachable. He can hug you. You can see him in Kroger's. You can see him everywhere and he's going to talk to you and spend time with you he, he's not arrogant at all he is somebody that can relate to everyone
5: and he's always been for the people he yes. I have found him to be a very honorable person I worked with him um, when he was just a state senator and and he fired questions at other panelists for the people mm-hmm. I mean he understood where the people were and he's four boots on the ground
0: everyday person. Let's talk national real quick. New polling coming out showing, and this according to a Bloomberg News Morning Consul swing state voter survey published on Thursday, showing Trump is leading Biden in seven swing states as more than 80% of Americans say President Biden is too old. Well... The White House is trying to get ahead of this. He went to Walter Reed, got a checkup, and here is what they're saying about his cognitive test. And cut number 17.
8: You know, the president doesn't need a cognitive test. That is not my assessment. That is not my assessment. That is the assessment of the president's doctor. Uh, That is also the assessment of the neurologist, uh, who has also made that assessment as well. And, you know, and you've heard us say this, and I'll reiterate this. The president's doctor has said, if you look at what this president, the president, who is also the commander-in-chief, he passes a cognitive test every day, every day, as he moves from one topic to another topic, trying understanding the granular level of these topics. You saw him talk about uh, fighting crime today. Tomorrow he's going to go to the border. Next week he's going to give a State of the Union address. And so we have to keep that in mind. Uh, This is a very rigorous job uh, and uh, the president has been able to do do this job every day for the past three years. And let's not forget he is also leading a historic
0: uh, president. So that is the messaging coming out of the White House.
5: Gaslighting. Can
0: we define gaslighting? Because he passes it every Every single day.
5: Well, no. okay. Who goes to the border and talks about climate?
0: Joe Biden. Okay. Well, and he, call, he, and he calls people like me and Neanderthals, which I last check, that was a racist thing to say. Um, maybe because yeah, people I think got
5: people cancel.
0: Yeah, we know people get, have been canceled. exactly.
4: <laughs> and another thing, you're not going to tell your boss that you, that he's crazy. So him going to Walter Reed and everybody say, oh yeah, you passed the test. No one's no, going to say
5: nobody took. He didn't take the he test. Never, he never
0: even took the test. He, <laughs> he took, the took the physical test, and then they declined to give him a cognitive test.
5: Right, which is insanity, yes. in it's in and
0: of itself. Right, why wouldn't you
5: test people
0: who are over 80? All right, let's be conspiracists this morning. Do you think there is a plan B, or do the do you think they run this guy all the way to the end to November? That's a plan B.
5: There's a plan B. It's, it's somebody who doesn't want to go through the rigors of a primary? They're going to work it out at the DNC. Who whoever you know emerges from the DNC.
4: Uh, here's my conspiracy theory. <laughs> so Biden <laughs> drops out. Okay. And then. Or dies. Or dies. <laughs> They make Miss Harris president and they ask Michelle Obama to be vice president so she doesn't have to go through a primary. Oh.
5: That's interesting. She doesn't want to go she doesn't want to do the rigorous of a primary. Exactly.
4: But
0: have her on as the vice president. And because Kamala is a queen, she would never be upstaged by
4: Michelle.
5: So I think she's gonna get sidelined
4: really once she's president, and then she'll drop out and that makes Michelle Obama.
5: I think I think they'll get
0: rid of Kamala before Really? Yeah, I do. I think she would bring down the entire tent. She would go away screaming racism. I mean, she literally looked at. Well, her- I mean, how how can she
5: scream racism if Michelle's the one that steps up? I mean, that's you know, that's she's a, a female, point. and and last time I checked, they're the same color.
0: Okay. So, you know. so so let's talk about the Republican side, Patty. You seemed a little bit frustrated that we are with President Trump. Do you feel that way?
5: I like choices. Okay, so you know I, that's okay. I'm an artist. I like you know color. You like variety. Yes. Yeah, I like variety. Awesome. I like. So I, like I hate doing to break comparison. it to you, Patty, but
0: there will be no options. So it will be Trump. <laughs> so if you are a woman that we love to talk about, right, the suburban white woman in America, that's you. That's, that's so, me, Patty. That's me. And small business owner. <laughs> Don't so so who does Trump pick up to make you happy?
4: Me.
1: <laughs> All right, so we got a
4: Trump hustle ticket. <laughs> no, why not? Me personally, I would say
0: Telsey Gabbard. Oh, do you think that would do enough? Yes. To get
4: independence because he needs some independence. Well, it's not about the independence. She is actually a great person. So being stationed in Hawaii for 14 years, I had a chance to meet her several times when she was a delegate there. So an elected official there. So therefore, I understand her military mindset. I understand she is not about far left, far right. She is for the people. So when you need that sound barometer that is not going to throw people to a left or to a right, that will be the great. And you will have a vice president who is effective. Hmm.
0: All right, Patty, I'll give you the last word. You've got 30 seconds. What do you make of that? And who really would you like? I mean, other than yourself. <laughs> Abbott, I see, Abbott.
5: I would love to see Greg Abbott step up and uh, be VP.
0: Wow. So that was a news headline that came out yesterday where President Trump was asked, is Governor Abbott on the shortlist? He said, I can't confirm that he is.
4: That, that is a great thing. So, so.
0: Yeah. wait yeah. And, a minute. What a fabulous governor. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Thank you both. Wasn't it fun? Yes, oh, it was. Totally fun. It Thank goes you by so much. very fast. We'll do it again next Friday with a couple more friends of the show. We don't discriminate. We <laughs> invite our Democrat friends, and I'm working on a couple, so stand by for that. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the sunshine that you'll get on Saturday and set on Sunday. Temperatures in the 70s. Can't complain about that. As Todd says, get out to church. We'll see you guys Monday morning starting at 7.